RadioInfluence.com. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Dark Delight Podcast with Frankie Val on the drums and Beans. You know, uh, Tracy, that when we we uh, introduce ourselves, Aurora introduces herself upstairs. She does. Uh, Lauren told me she said she said you know when you and Tracy open up the show and and uh, you guys announce your name. Well, Aurora after after Tracy says her name, Aurora goes and Aurora. Oh my gosh, she has to get that on video. I'll tell her. She's got to try to capture it. That's amazing. I love that little button. I swear yeah. she's great. I was, yeah, she's great. So we're going to start, oh goodness, I keep on hitting the wrong button. We're going to start the show today, Frank, with the interview with Carrie Lake. It's about a half an hour long. It's really, really good. Anybody who's wondering if she, um, I did ask her about her tweet uh, with the Soros article. A lot of people were asking questions about that. And so she does answer that question quite um fulsome in a fulsome way so we'll we'll get to see that and uh off we go to uh to the interview now it's just bear with me because this might be a little weird i'm gonna hold on so i am honored and privileged to be joined by the beautiful poised and talented um carrie lake the the actual governor of arizona is joining me today for an interview and carrie thank you so much for giving us some time to come and talk to our our audience I'm so happy to be here, Tracy. I've, I've been wanting to make this happen for a long time. And I reached out to you and then you reached out to us and said, yeah, we want to have you on tomorrow at 6 a.m. And then I kind of hit the brakes and went, OK, 6 a.m. That means I have to get up at this time. So I'm glad that you um, you came somewhere into the middle and helped us wake up at a more normal hour. Men don't um, understand what it's like for women to get ready for an on camera at six in the morning. Yeah, it takes a little bit of time. I mean, you know, <laughs> we don't wake up looking good sometimes. So um, thank you for accommodating. Plus, my schedule has been a little bit crazy with some travel. And so um, it just worked out great today. And and I, I just admire so much the work that you do and Thanks. the effort that you take to get things right and to put um, put information out that we just can't get from the mainstream media. You're covering stories they won't even touch. Right, which is something I think you would have done had you been allowed to and you remained where you were. When you first decided to walk away from your career as as a journalist, I was like, wow, because people knew you. You were in their homes every single day and you were like, I can't do this anymore. What was the straw that broke the camel's back for you when you made that decision? There were a lot of straws. I mean, it was kind of like I had a couple of bales of hay on my back going, I can't do this anymore. I enjoyed my career. I enjoyed being a journalist, telling stories. Every day is a different story, a different set of circumstances. You you know, you don't even know what you're going to jump into that day and wrap your arms around. So I really enjoyed it. But obviously, to become um, much more partisan and biased during COVID, it really um, woke me up what was going on. I, I saw an agenda being pushed, a narrative being pushed to uh, stoke fear, stoke division in our country, um, hurt people, kill their businesses, uh, destroy their families and their health. And I, I just was realizing that there was this corporate media narrative being pushed on America and really the world. 
And once you kind of see that, you can't unsee it, right? Once you are awake to it, you can't just go, okay, I'm going back to sleep. I'm just going to do my thing. At least I can't. It became um, less about even being biased and more about being immoral. Yeah. And so I was really struggling during COVID putting these stories out. Then the election happened and the the call that, that happened the night of election when I was covering elections. And I balked at that a few times live on the air and realized that there was no interest in the media news outlets, the corporate media news outlets, to even cover the discussion of what went wrong in the 2020 election. You would be in trouble if you wanted to talk about it. And I I just said, I can't do this anymore. And I talked to my husband about it. And, and I, I, you know, I said, I know we make great money. I had, I had a seven-figure contract. Wow. Um, and I just looked at him one night and I said, what good is all that money if we don't have a country to even enjoy that and if our children don't have freedom? And I think we're on the precipice of losing that. Now, this was back in 2020. Yeah. Now look at it. It's like fast forward. If you don't realize that by now, you really need to pull your head out. But um, it was a lot of things. It wasn't just one straw. It was just a whole lot of realization. And once you kind of your eyes open a little bit, they open more and more and more every day. And I, I I just felt like, you know, if I'm going to sit and do something that I find to be immoral, then I'm going to have a really hard time when I go to meet my maker. And yeah. that's the meeting that matters. That's what matters. For sure. Um, just, you you know, I was broadcasting live from Arizona on election night also. And we had uh, Kelly Ward in studio with us when they called Arizona. What were you thinking at that moment? And you've got to sit there like this is happening in real time. So you're sitting there broadcasting live. What are you thinking? Yeah. Where did that come from? Do you know where that call came from? I don't. I was uh, I was actually broadcasting from home. I turned my home office, much like where I am now, except I had a different background, into a studio because of COVID. And, you know, they sent half the people home in case somebody got sick and all of that, um, you know, strangeness that was going on during COVID. And so in my ear, a producer got in and said they just called it for Biden. I said, what do you mean, you know? repeat that they just called Arizona for Biden now mind you I believe people were still in line voting yep when Fox called it for Biden and you know Florida was going Trump's way they were holding off on that call nobody would make that call it was real obvious it was going his way in a bunch of other states don't don't give any any um, celebration to the Trump supporters and then they call Arizona so early and I just I thought it was irresponsible I said why do we call that it, it's way too early we still have people voting. We still have over a million outstanding votes. And I just kind of a few times questioned it um, throughout the night and, and closing the newscast, really questioning that it could it could cause distrust when you call it so early with so many outstanding votes, people still voting. And then in the morning, if things flip, people go, wait a minute, my, my guy was winning last night. Now he's not or vice versa. Um, and now we know. There, there were um, rigged elections in 2020. I sounded the alarm for two years. I covered every nuance of it. I had to go up against um, reporters with the mainstream media who would go, there's no evidence. You're an election denier, all that stuff. And I don't care. I'm going to stand firm for the truth. And the truth of the matter is we have rigged elections. We have selections. And we, the people, are no longer choosing our representation when our elections are run this way. It is not about Republican versus Democrat. I'm fighting to get our elections reformed because I want all voters, whether they're the most liberal Democrat or the most hardcore uh, conservative, I want everybody's vote to count. I don't want two guys down at Maricopa County deciding who our, our uh, elected officials are. 
I don't want two guys down at Maricopa County having so much power that they're controlling really the whole country. If you think about it, when they're stealing elections in Maricopa County, they control a lot of what's happening in the country and therefore the world. And that's not how America was set up. And we need to question our elections and our government officials. I don't think that there's anything wrong with questioning any when when election officials became these untouchables that nobody could even question. Like, for example, I've been covering this. You so clearly won this election. It is not even a question. I don't think anybody could anybody with a brain could seriously say like all the comments underneath our threads. We see this all the time of people saying that you lost and you're a grifter. And and I'm just sitting there like, what are you looking at, really? Let's well, then you click on them and they have like four I, likes and they're uh, they're from some <laughs> bot farm, you know, I, and I've got all the bot farms after me. <laughs> it's so funny because it makes me realize, wow, I am right over the target. Mm -hmm. I am somebody they worry so much about that they have unleashed every troll and bot farm against me. And so when I see it, I mean, if they're out there listening, it, it doesn't even make an impact on me. I care not. And it actually is the the fuel that fires my engines because I know that this globalist agenda, their push for globalism and all of the people they hire to try to stop people like uh, me and us, they've unleashed it on me. And, and it actually, it makes me laugh because I know that they're afraid of us. You know, I was watching on election day where you made the decision midday at some point to go to a different location that was outside of the, the Republican sort of controlled areas and cast your vote. And you put a message out telling everyone there's no problems here. Get yourselves over and vote here instead of where you were. Let's just go through some of the issues that we know happened on election day and what we've come to know. And I want to remind everybody that you guys decided to challenge this. It's such a slippery, slippery, slippery slope of when exactly you file, because if you file too late, they'll say it's latches or you waited too long. If you file too early, they'll say that you don't have standing because it's not oh my God. time. It's, True. It's, it's this balancing act. But you guys got maybe four days of discovery time, and that included just someone going down to Maricopa County, your expert, to do an analysis of what happened with these with these ballots. Tell us a few of the things that stick out for you in terms of malfeasance that day and why they're important to you. Well, this is different than a normal case. This is an election challenge and there are different rules. It is expedited. And unfortunately, we only had five and a half hours court time to prove our case. And that's really difficult. I, I co uh, commend and applaud my attorneys who I think did an exceptional job. But when our guy, Clay Parikh, went down to look at ballots, um, I still remember, as a matter of fact, I'm getting goosebumps right now. When he got back and I heard the news about what they found mm -hmm. and the the vast majority of these ballots were ballots, you know, we, we picked certain areas. We knew what areas we wanted to look at. We had our suspicions about what went on. And a, a one batch, 14 out of 15 ballots had the wrong image printed on them. And I just I mean, there was a little bit of a oh, my gosh, this is a um, you know, this is a shocker, a smoking gun. But there was also at the same time, Tracy. A, a sadness that came over me. I thought, gosh, these people will do anything to stop the people of this great state from um, uh, from from having their vote, from having their voice heard at the ballot box. They always talk about disenfranchising and and we are trying to kill democracy. And this is proof that they were doing that. 
to intentionally print the wrong image on election day because they knew that our people were showing up in droves as they have the right to do. They have the right to show up on election day. They knew people were so upset about what happened in 2020. They didn't trust the system. And it's the best way to make sure your vote is counted. And we are so powerful. Our movement is so powerful. They went, oh, my gosh, what can we do to stop it? We're going to have to sabotage election day. They did it in broad daylight. We had the proof. We had the smoking gun. And I, I really thought that was a big moment. Um, a lot of other things that we found out, you know, if, if indeed they were really uh, duplicating these ballots, you know, a quarter million times on election day, ballots were spit out of the tabulators as unreadable. Quarter of a million times. That's 7,000, more than 7,000 every half an hour being spit out because they were printed wrong. And they should have had those all duplicated if they really did get counted. And we didn't see evidence of that. They couldn't show so you one. So now they're just saying, not we one. counted it. We counted it. Don't worry. Trust us. I'm sorry. We do not trust you. We have the opposite of trust in Maricopa County in these election officials. We're not required to trust them. That's no. not a requirement. We're required <laughs> to prove that they're running a smooth operation. And they're running a banana republic style third world uh, operation that's even worse. It's, I mean, it's like Cuba. You don't even show up and vote in Cuba. You already know the outcome before you go in. And that explains why my opponent, Katie Hobbs, didn't even campaign. She already knew the outcome. They knew the outcome, and they knew that they couldn't get somebody who is a complete outsider, who was ready on day one to stop the corruption in Arizona. And this state is corrupt. There is a real rot in this state with some of the corruption going on at many, many levels. And they knew that I was not going to put up with that and I would dig into it and we were going to weed out these corrupt individuals. And so now we're at a point where you've appealed the appellate court in a very lazy, um, you know, subpar decision, didn't analyze anything, couldn't have read any of the affidavits that were provided. You know, they're, they're, they've got to go in and say, did the judge make the right decision at the lower court? And they didn't do that, okay? They just made a decision because they're chicken or they're they're on the take, one of the two. So now we go to the Arizona Supreme Court. That's gonna take some time. If they decide to hear it or if they don't, do you go further than that after this? What's your plan? Oh, well, our plan is the Arizona Supreme Court. And I think it would be a big mistake if they didn't hear it. I mean, I think there would be uh, some very upset Arizonans if they don't hear it. So we'll see what happens. There is a, there, I believe there's one or two counts that were federal, that we could move it even further up the totem pole. But I think what we'll do is reassess at that moment mm -hmm. and take a look at what uh, we think is the strongest avenue forward. I don't plan to back down. And I think they, they thought we got a new person. She's never been in politics. She's a brand new candidate. She's an outsider. If we challenge her, she will just find it too daunting. If, this is not too daunting for me. <laughs> this is not too daunting for the people of Arizona because we will not continue to move forward in this rotten, corrupt system where we're not choosing our elected officials. So, you know, if they're out watching this morning, I don't know if we're live right now or we're going to put this out later, uh, we're not backing down. We will continue to take this as far as we have to. And we are not going away. Our movement is not going away. It's just, it might even be stronger now than it was on November 8th because a lot of people around the country are now seeing this and saying, Arizona is a place, this case is maybe the one that can crack things open and help reform our elections. So we've we've gained more people following us. We've gained more people following our case. And if their whole goal is to make me go away because they're worried, they want Trump to go away, obviously, with COVID, mm -hmm. all the things they did to change how our elections are. It was all part of getting Trump out. He's too dangerous for their corrupt system. And um, he's not going away and I'm not going away. 
I will continue to be a thorn in their side. And um, so we'll keep, we don't have our plan, that that next plan, we're, we're just moving the pieces on the chessboard as we need to and looking at everything. So you've got a really powerful Senate out there in Arizona right now, and they're they're pretty um, they're pretty stringent about this. They're they're looking into different things to do, but there's also, and I'm not sure if you're aware of this, a recall effort being mounted right now as we speak. Thousands of volunteers in Arizona working to recall the sham governor Katie Hobbs um, from her from her seat. Are you gonna you know cheer those guys on? Do you want to stay out of it because it's too controversial? Like, what are you thinking about that? I, well, hey, listen, I think it's great. I, it, it shows you that when you come to Arizona, people, they got a punch in the gut. There, there was an absolute shock in Arizona in the days and weeks after the election. I think it still exists. If you come out here, people look at this sham government and say, this is not a government representing us. These people walked into these offices after a stolen election. Everyone knows it. And so if the people want to do that, I always support what the people want. That's why I got into uh, politics. I, the people asked me to run. I did. We, we started a movement. It wasn't about me. It was about we, the people. And my whole goal, and I said it many times, was to go in and not be the boss, but to recognize that the people are the boss. I'm working for them. I'm employed by the people. Now, we have the opposite going on right now. We even have a cartel lawyer in our secretary of state's office. Let that think it, sink in. I, I, I did a whole big expose on him back in 2020. It's terrible. I was thinking about this. Um, when I ran for a little office here in South Carolina, I, I ran saying the same exact thing. I'm not here for to be your ruler. I'm here to represent you and in your will. And that was what you said from the beginning. There was never even a question that that's what you were interested in doing. And, you know, a lot of people see you're genuine, you have integrity, you're you're strong in what you believe. This is this is what politics is becoming. And I don't think the old guard can really understand or grasp that people don't want fake. They don't want people that are that are, you know, with the with the thumb just standing there lecturing you. They yeah. want a real person. And, <laughs> and that's what we're seeing happen. So one question about the election and then I want and, to move on. And to we're it. seeing great candidates, not just here in Arizona. We we saw the greatest batch of candidates in my that I've ever seen in my life all over this country. Real people, yep. citizen politicians. That's what our founding fathers envisioned. They would be mortified at the thought of Nancy Pelosi, at the thought of a Joe Biden. He said, what do you say? He's been in politics for 100 years. Sure feels like it. They'd be mortified by that. And, um, you know, I, I look at people talking now about um, term limits. We've gotten to a point because our elections are so corrupt that we we're like, how do we get these people out of office? We can't vote them out. Yep. And so we're looking at term limits. If we have fully functioning, great elections and election systems where they're, it's fair and honest, we wouldn't need term limits because when somebody is screwing up or we're done with them as the people, we would just vote them out. But these elections are so corrupt. Does that make sense? These yeah, elections of course. Are so corrupt. <laughs> Now we're like, we need to pass legislation for term limits because our elections are so screwed up. So many people we have to are hopeless right now. They feel hopeless. The courts aren't doing anything. You know, how do we change the, legislat the, the legislation if we can't get our people in because they're rigging the elections? What are you telling folks that are like basically desperate right now? Well, you mentioned something like uh, a sentence or two ago about our state Senate here. We've got some really great people working for their constituents and they're working on election reform in the ways that they can. You know, they passed a lot of great legislation last 
session, but our governor didn't sign it, mm. didn't make it through, unfortunately. Um, and that was a great opportunity to pass some meaningful legislation. But again, I mean, we've got people in Maricopa County, great laws or not, they're not following the laws. Yep. And when you get a ruling from our appellate court that basically says, yeah, you can, you don't really have to follow the laws. That's what that ruling says. Yeah, and you, you don't have to follow the laws. So how do how do we give people hope? Is that we see the hope in our movement. Moms and dads and people who've never been involved in politics got off the sidelines and got into the game. And what I want to tell them is you have to stay in. It, uh, believe me, if anybody wants to throw their hands up or had moments where I did and curl up in the fetal position <laughs> and just say, I'm done. I've had a few of those moments. I'm not going to lie. That's what they want. They want we the people. They're so worried about us because we're so powerful. They want us to throw our hands into the air and say, we're done. This is corrupt. We're not going to vote again. We have to keep going out and voting. Even in their rigged, corrupt system, it's so hard. We made it so hard for them to cheat. They couldn't just do it at 3 a.m. Mm -hmm. Think about it. They had to do it in broad daylight in front of everyone's eyes. Cameras were rolling. And we have to keep doing that. Let's make it so hard for them that they reveal who they are. The cheaters reveal who they are. The criminals reveal who they are. And they are being revealed at a record clip right now. And I also believe that as we um, you know, worry about the moment that we're in, it's, it's uncomfortable. And I find myself praying, please, let's, God, move us through this quickly. Uh, I think it was John F. Kennedy who said, don't pray for easier times. And this is a paraphrasing of his quote pray to be stronger men. Mm. And we need to pray to be stronger men and women to get through these times. It will just make the future better when we turn things around. And I do believe we will. This is all part of a process. It took many years to, to see this corruption build to a level that it's at right now. And it's going to take some time to chip away at it and bring the truth back. I agree. God put us here for a reason. Totally agree with you. A hundred percent. I think before we started, we were talking about that very thing. Um, all right, so to end, you've been very gracious with your time. I have to ask you this burning question that everybody is asking me to ask you. Controversy <laughs> this past week, George Soros comes out, makes a statement, read a statement from a piece of paper where he basically says, Ron DeSantis is a shrewd guy. Um, he'll force uh, President Trump to run third party and then the Republican party will fracture. And they basically, f media on the right, phrased that as uh, George Soros is endorsing Ron DeSantis. And you retweeted that. And a lot of people are saying that's not true at all. He, he was not endorsing Ron DeSantis. He was causing the very thing that he, he caused, which was a split and a fracture. How do you respond to folks who are saying that they're angry that you retweeted that article? Well, I'm, I was laughing at first. I didn't even realize that reposting a, an article would cause that much of a groundbreaking, you know, earth shattering <laughs> story. There's so much out there to cover and that that was beginning a lot of coverage. I found that funny. Um, George Soros is evil. Uh, and the fact that he's attacking Republican candidates, uh, that tells you that the Republicans are on the right side of things. And look, I, I, I actually really like Ron DeSantis. There's no secret of that. He came out and we did a rally together. He's a great governor. But there's also no secret that I 100% endorse President Trump. We need him at this time more than anything. The world's a mess. And that man can come in on day one and on a world setting, start to turn things around, turn the Titanic around. This Titanic named Joe Biden is ready to hit the iceberg and go down and, and 
We need President Trump in. I endorsed him even before he announced he was running. I've endorsed him about 10 times and I'll endorse him again on this show. I endorse President Donald J. Trump for 2024. At the same time, I endorse Ron DeSantis for president for 2028. (laughs) He's a great governor. Florida needs him. Florida wants him to stay there. And we have this real luxury of having a lot of great candidates. But this moment in history requires a Donald J. Trump to turn it around. I posted that story, and I I think it was a story that was interesting, watching uh, uh, Soros say all of that about our our people on the Republican side. I think it's really interesting. I reposted an article. It happens all the time. Okay, fair enough. I just I just want everyone out there to not let George Soros play you like a puppeteer and then we'll all be good. <laughs> we're smarter yeah, than I, that, Carrie. We really are, right? I mean, we're no, smarter. It, true, and I think people need to hear what, what these globalists are saying. And I, I really hope that every candidate out there looks about who they're surrounding themselves with. I saw a picture uh, over the weekend of Cindy McCain flanked by George Soros and his son. Mm-hmm. They're putting it right there in our face. They are telling us what their agenda is for America. And their agenda for America is the end of America. Their agenda is a globalist push. We're not even Democrat versus Republican nope. anymore. I hope people get that. I know the people watching your show do. We are globalism versus Americanism. And I'm for Americanism. And when we have a strong America where we we, we strengthen our, our, our freedoms and liberties, then the rest of the world's going to come up as well. And I believe the man for the moment is President Donald J. Trump. On a world stage, he can turn this thing around. We need him to step right back in there and fix some of these problems. And I know he can do it. He did it once when he was taking incoming every day from the fake news media, from people on the left, from people on the right. And I know he can do it again. That's why I fully endorse him. And again, I will endorse Ron DeSantis right now for 2028. I think he would be great as well. <laughs> he, it's going to be an interesting primary season for sure. And I think with all the new knowledge that uh, President Trump has maintained from his last run, it would be a little bit of a different scenario for him this go round. So um, Carrie Lake, I love you. You're wonderful. Thank you so much for fighting so hard for the people of this country, the people of Arizona, and for giving us a little bit of your time today to share your thoughts about what's going on. We're going to be following, as you know, very closely your next steps. And thank you. God bless you. Seriously, thank you so much. You know what? And I just want to thank you, Tracy, because um, we need more. Uh, we need more journalists who are working <laughs> in the fake news media to walk away. Look at the success you've had. And you know what? More than even monetary success, which I hope you're having, um, <laughs> you, you see the the um, the gladness gladness on your face. You see the comfort in your heart Thanks. because you're doing the right thing. Thank you. And I never, for one second, have regretted walking away from my career. I had no idea that God, when I threw my whole life into His hands and said, "I'm doing this. I know it's the right thing. Please guide me. Please have your hand on my back." I had no idea that he would open my life up for such a fantastical journey that he's put me on. We always try to uh, plan and forge our path, and we can be a part of it, but when we hand our lives over to God, his path and his plan is so much bigger than anything we could ever imagine, and my life right now is proof of that. So thank you for what you're doing. Sure thing, thank you so much, and we'll, we'll talk again, I'm sure. Let's do. Okay, great. And there it was, the interview there. with Miss Carrie Lake. That was great. She's wonderful. No, she's she's always. I mean, 
She's very, she's smooth like peanut butter. Yeah. I didn't have to do very much. She she really knows what she wants to say and she knows exactly what message she wants to to give to the people and you know. You know, I and, and as far as 2028 goes, I don't know, I don't know about Ron DeSantis, but Ron Paul will only be about 93 years I, old. That's standard at this point, isn't it? I Ron, I'd say Ron, as long as Ron Paul has breath in his lungs, <laughs> let him go. I haven't heard Rand talk about running uh, this go round, but you know who did say that they were running last night? Who? Um, Vivek Ramaswamy. Did you see? Who's that? I'll show you. Here he is. We're in the middle of a national identity crisis. Faith patriotism and hard work have disappeared only to be replaced by new secular religions like covidism climatism and gender ideology we hunger to be part of something bigger than ourselves yet we cannot even answer the question of what it means to be an american today the woke left preys on that vacuum they tell you that your race your gender and your sexual orientation govern who you are what you can achieve and what you're allowed to think this is psychological slavery, and that has created a new culture of fear in our country that has completely replaced our culture of free speech in America. And that is why today I am announcing my run for President of the United States. This isn't just a political campaign. This is a cultural movement to create a new American dream for the next generation. To me, the American dream means you believe in merit that you get ahead in this country, not on the color of your skin, but on the content of your character and your contributions. Right, okay, so what's he, the real story? What's the real story? What's his real profile? Who who he, funds him? He, he is a 35 year old from, I, I've never, he's he's very much on the in the culture war and on the Republican side, and he's been all over the place and he's written a book um, and he's, he's, he's not a nobody, He's many people don't know him, um, but he he he's basically a billionaire businessman who is declaring he's running for president on the Republican ticket. Yeah, well, that well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what we'll see what what lists his name shows up on. Well, because... he you know, it's funny. Jack Posobiec tweeted out yesterday. Oh, funny. Look at this. His name was here just the other day. And now it's gone. Where? Um, On the World Economic Forum Young Leaders um, website. Right. However, however, he countered it. He said, um, I have emails and basically back and forth when they wanted to put me on this list. I fought with them about putting me on the list. And I have those emails of my exchanges saying that I didn't want to be included. Please don't put me on this list. And you, they did it anyway. Um, so so the World Economic Forum just adds people's names to their lists? That's what willy he's nilly saying. Willy-nilly with, 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 no, with no prior, oh, whatever. That's what he's saying. I don't know. I don't know the guy. I haven't done any research on him. Don't know who he is, really. I mean, at all. Um... But he's running, so there you go. Him. Well, good good luck to him. <laughs> you seem very I don't, interested. I don't know. You know who else I is did... running? Who? <laughs> Nikki Haley and Tucker Carlson 
absolutely destroyed her. Do you want to hear it? I, yeah, sure. I saw two of her appearances, her first two appearances, the the I don't kick sideways appearance and the we need to double down on all our support for Israel and Ukraine appearance. And, oh, my gosh, I can't wait until she is uh, she is swiftly escorted off stage. because She is such a loser. She's such just, a loser. She's terrible. Here we go. Ooh, he stepped in it. But to be fair to Don Lamont, Nikki Haley seemed like perfectly fair game. She's a Republican presidential candidate, so savage her all you want. Oh, but no, because in fact, in all the ways that matter, Nikki Haley is a member in good standing of the most protected class of all, upper income liberal white ladies with fashionable political views. <laughs> she may be running to be the Republican nominee, but she is fundamentally indistinguishable from the neoliberal donor base of the Democratic Party. Nikki Haley believes in collective racial guilt. She thinks Ukraine's borders are more important than our own, far more important. She believes identity politics is our future. Vote for oh. me because I'm a woman, she says. That's her pitch. So Don Lamont should have caught this, but he missed it completely. He didn't get it. And so he stepped in his final bear trap. Don Lamont may be black, but that doesn't mean he's allowed to criticize Nikki Haley. Sorry. If it's a choice between a black man and a liberal white lady, the Democratic Party will drop the black guy every single time. Who makes up a bigger proportion of the American electorate? The Don Lamonts or the Nikki Haley's? It's not a close call. Shut up, black guy. How dare you criticize girl power? Pretend that biology is real. You're fired. <laughs> yep. That's what I said last night. I, uh, when uh, I read all the news about Don Lemon having to go through the, uh, the, the refocusing and the re-education at CNN. And all of the, the all of the 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 trials and the, the hoops he has to jump through. Um, obviously, they have to bring him back into line. When it comes to prime, I said, when it comes to biological prime, yes, a woman is in her biological prime in her twenties. When it comes to professional prime, a woman is in her professional prime until the day that she says something bad about a transgender person. Yes. Precisely. That's that's, just, that's it. So she could be in her prime into her 70s professionally. Just the day that she says anything that can be seen as a slight to transgender people, then then she's done. Unbelievable. It's just <laughs> unbelievable. So, you know, we we have been sort of talking about this grand jury um, in Georgia, the special grand jury that was convened by the newly elected at that time, uh, Fulton County District Attorney. Um, and she put the special grand jury together that is unable to levy any charges. They don't have the power to do that. It was more like a special counsel investigation for, you know, two years where they had 70 people come in and interview with them. And they released little snippets of the report that they, they completed at the end. And um, Lindsey Graham was forced to go in and testify. You know, there was all this controversy about like whether or not she he should have to go in and testify. So that finished up. We're awaiting to see if they're going to charge anybody. My, the fact that they're leaking things out, the fact that this one is out there on the interview circuit, I, this was the foreperson of the special grand jury. This mm -hmm. was the foreperson of the special grand jury. I'm going to repeat again. I really don't, they're going to use this politically for as long as they can. And a, a let, like they referred some people for charges. She alludes to it in here. But this is her. We're going to watch some clips of this crazy looking, in my opinion, woman. Here, wait. 
you're gonna you're gonna personally want to hear from the former president. I wanted to hear from the former president, but honestly, I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in? I just, I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. Personally, want to hear. Mm. Uh, I have no words. Yeah. That's the four person. She did the little interview circuit. I have a few more clips of her. Oh man, when I when I see when I see people like this caught on camera, I'm I'm happy that we're all we're, that we're imploding. I'm happy. I I just I, I just, I'm happy. I'm so happy. Doesn't she look like the cop that was out like doing all of her counterparts? She has a very striking resemblance. There's an there's an odd there's an odd crazy squirrely group of women lately. Like the Sam Bankman Freed's girlfriend. Yes, they look the same. They're all there's there's a weird, squirrely, odd um, men in black, alien in disguise kind of chick out there. That they're I, I don't know what the. I don't know what the hell's going on. It's uh quite concerning. Here here's another and, one. And the and the nose. I know, it's very weird. Here's another one of her. It's not a short list. More I mean, we saw 75 people and there are six pages of the report cut out. Mm. I think if you look at the page numbers. Mm -hmm. So it's not So we're talking about more than a dozen people? I would say that. Yes. Are these recognizable names, names that people would know? There are certainly names that you would recognize, yes. There are names also that you might not recognize. It's I don't, I don't understand why this is okay. Uh, well, now, now tell me something. When you're talking about a trial, when you're talking about a trial, uh, for something to be thrown out with prejudice. And you have people like this who are out pounding the media circuit that are so blatantly, I mean, it's to say bias is ridiculous. She's fangirling. Does this not hurt their endeavor over there in Georgia? That's why in any way, I'm she saying that I don't think there are going to be any charges. Because a defense attorney is salivating over this right now. This is this is this is clownish. A defense attorney is salivating over this. This is what the Krasensteins say. Let's just say if I'm in Trump's orbit right now, I'd be scared to death. Oh yeah, the, the, about my criminal culpability. Yeah, yeah. The the two incestuous test tube babies. The Krasensteins. I'm surprised that they crawled out of their 69 to type that. Personally. It's, um, here. Hold on. Like, she's done a bunch of interviews. I'm looking at, she actually, I believe, here, hold on. Let's play this one. Unless there's a commercial, which H. Trivia was everywhere. It blew up, and it crashes. 
There was jealousy. You had HQ imitates it. leads to chaos. No one cares. CNN. Rich, the rise and fall of HQ trivia, Sunday, March 5th at 9 on CNN. Donald Trump put out a statement last week about the partial report that the judge did release, the pages that he did. And the way that he described it is he said that yet your report means total exoneration for him is how he put it in his statement. What's your reaction to that, Emily? Um, I did see that today, uh, which was fascinating. I'm not positive he read the right document, but um, I will say that if what he was talking about was our statement where we indicated that there was no evidence of widespread fraud or widespread vote fraud in the Georgia 2020 election, that might have been what he meant. Other than that, I'm not she's, positive. This woman what, is a terrible, she's, a, a, she's trying to personify some sexy, cute, like, this is gross. The, the, the whole she, thing she's, is gross. She's trying to, She's trying to channel, channel uh, Rachel Maddow's inflections as well. She obviously watches Rachel Maddow every night, trying to channel all of her inflections. The the that the the severe up talk that goes into a squeak. Mm. That Rachel Maddow takes the up talk into a a squeak register, like you know how Mariah Carey used to go really high. <laughs> You know, she well, she goes right up there into a whistle register with her voice. So there is a this is a this is a sick woman. This is a sick puppy right here. Yeah, wait. What he meant by that? I'd be interested to know. Vocal Fry makes an appearance. Look at that face. I just paused it on. Look at that. <laughs> She's crazy. Yeah. I want to just I want to live the rest of my life on the back porch of some cottage in a temperate forest and just have a good amount of food. I, I need a pull-up bar. Uh, I need a radio transmitter, something that I can get a, a message out to people and just do pirate radio and a, an endless supply of cigars and Lauren. That's, that's all I want. I, wanted, I want to be rid of all this. And I want the world to open up. I want a gigantic chasm in the world to just open up and swallow these people. And I want it to be like that that the 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 the, the tool song Anima. I love I that just, song. I just want the I just mom please flush it all away. That's all I'm asking for. Oh. I'm sure we will hear more from him after um, <laughs> after it all it all comes out. You know, the, the portion of the final report that has been released, there's another portion. That part that you just talked about was of great interest mm -hmm. to a lot of us. But also the other portion that obviously demands a lot of attention is also the portion, and I'll read this for everyone, where you all wrote, a majority of the grand jury believes that perjury may have been committed by one or more witnesses testifying before it. Is perjury the crime that you all believed was com the, the main crime you all believe was committed? I wouldn't say that. Um, I would say that, I would say that um, it ended up included there because it was less pointed. Um, of and, a, so, and so, and of so, why, why, the fact that they're, they're using this as some, this is the moron that they think is okay to go out and be a spokesperson for, for this entire endeavor. It's gonna, it's, there's gotta be something else behind it because you can't release a creature like this 
and think that it's going to do your case any good. When she's giggling with glee, I can't wait to swear in the former president and put him in jail. How can you do this? You can't. And that's why I'm saying there's no way that they have anything. You cannot in a serious, if you're going to seriously, look, there, is anybody under any, um, like, is every single person in Georgia a Democrat? I would argue that far fewer Democrats than Republicans or they wouldn't have had to do this in the first place, right? right. So you're going to, if you're going to indict somebody criminally in this case and then try and get a jury pool that's only Democrat in in in, in Atlanta, mm, I don't know if that's going to work, even in Fulton County. They're destroying any, she is single-handedly torching. If they did have any prayer at a case, she is single-handedly torching every last bit of the potential for those charges to be to be to stick or it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So there's that. Um you know the left is screwed when you lose Rosie. Frank. Rosie what do you mean? O Rosie O'Donnell goes on a Little tirade talking about how she doesn't trust the government in this clip. Oh, good. Yeah. Hey, I hate if, if we if that's the only common ground I ever have with somebody, then we are we're good because then then what can be done? Then we're talking about Rosie on your city block. You run things your way. On mine, we run things our way, and uh, never the twain shall meet. Did you? And, and, did you see any of this talk about a national divorce that's going on? What is that, Marjorie? It, what is that? It pops up every couple of uh, every couple of months now, and um, and I don't know what Marjorie Taylor Greene and other people are have have done to to grab the name. I don't know how deep they're going into it, but I've been talking about national divorce uh, I, for since two thousand twelve. Uh, and and it, that was a very dirty thing to say back then. But right now, but what is national divorce? It's American restoration. If we go back to the Constitution as written, we are somehow able to actually untangle this, which we won't. It needs to collapse. Mm -hmm. If we're actually able to get there, it would be as severe a shift in our paradigm as a 50 state secession because the federal government would be non-existent. And we would really have 50 individual countries that have to work together on voluntary basis with very small strings attached to what the federal responsibilities are for national defense and and and, uh, and regulating foreign trade. So, of course, they say national divorce in a way to say we need to be less less bound to each other state to state and 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 stop trying to apply all of this one size fits all nonsense to every last person in this gigantic continent that we call the American Union. How do states and, even begin to unwind the federal funding pouring into their coffers to keep them afloat? Like do some states stay tethered to the federal government and others do not? Yeah. I mean it's it's really up to the state how 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 free they want to be. But it's going to take it's going to take a lot of political will, a lot of will of people inside of any one state to be able to balance their budgets and to be able to find a way to substitute and do away with 
the programs that are being completely floated by the federal government. That's why once the block grant started, once the Social Security programs and the Medicare and the Medicaid programs were started, uh, most Americans lost their political autonomy for generations. They should have never been started. And this is why, because it's vote bribery and and it's vote bribery. So the only way that this could ever happen, barring a complete collapse where everybody is forced to look inward to local local communities to source food and to source everything else, barring collapse, the only way that this can happen is if the states start balancing their budgets, start declining federal funds, and start declining sending taxes to the federal government. Now, from there, there will be several types of several types of uh, of of interesting tense situations that will pop up. We'll see which which states get invaded we'll see what happens there the it, don't you it, need it, the military to go along with the invasion don't you need your rank and oh, file to, to oh, they'll do it they'll do uh, it i don't know see i'm not i'm still not on that bandwagon that everyone in the military or a significant enough number will turn their backs on their american i'm not saying that the systems. entirety i'm not saying it would be a unanimous thing and we still have but guns there, but there's plenty I, listen the the the, the union the Union invaded the South. What the hell? Does, you, whatever you have to First of all, the North had no qualms with slavery. And what did South Carolina do aside from have a peaceful vote to secede from the Union? They voted in crushing majority to peacefully secede. And, and, and we had 75,000 troops were marshaled and sent into the South. And it was only when that happened that all the other states down there started seceding because they're like, this is this is this is incredible. And, and after that, and after the after the Civil War, what's the old saying? We went from the United States are to the United States is. That was the end of the federal uh, of the the American Republic. So um, when we talk about national divorce, uh, it would be a very very tricky, very because we're not of the mindset to even accept what it means. That's why, along with national divorce, people uh, were calling each other traitors and seditionists, and that's funny in itself because what are you betraying? Yeah. Which, which which version of the nation do you think I'm betraying that you are somehow now a patriot, Mister Lefty? You know, so it, it's a it, it's it's like watching. I don't know. It's 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 frustrating to see these things pop up, and and you just know that everybody's on different pages. I I mentioned this because Rosie's video was about the EPA and then there was a um there were criminal criminal referrals against Norfolk Norfolk Southern um and also fines that are being threatened at this point if they don't clean up properly um but who trusts anybody to do that You've got to wonder why they didn't show up to that town hall where they were supposed to, you know, alleviate the stress of some of the residents. Maybe they don't believe that there's anything to um, to be unstressed about at this point with people and their side effects that they're experiencing. Um, quickly, one last thing I had before we go to a preview for Friday show, Frank. Um, mm-hmm. This is Kyle Rittenhouse is being sued by one of the people that he defended himself against in the Kenosha um, incident. Gage Gross... Gross Cruz? Gross Cruz. 
Yeah. <laughs> he names former Kenosha County Sheriff David Beth, former Kenosha Police Chief Daniel Miskins and Rittenhouse as defendants, and the city and county of Kenosha, as well as other counties and municipalities who sent personnel to Kenosha during the violent protests. He says he must live with the physical and emotional wounds inflicted by, defend- inflicted by defendant Rittenhouse and the defendants who deputized and enabled him. Yeah, well, that 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 animal is lucky he only lost a hand. He should just be lucky that he could have lived the life that he has lived and got out of that situation with only losing a hand or whatever the hell Rittenhouse blew off of him. Because because uh, he could be he could be dead like the rest of his uh, pedophile friends. Unbelievable. So there's that. Um, before we end today, Friday we're going to have Jennifer Sharp, who is a director, writer, producer, editor of the movie Anecdotals. If you guys haven't seen it yet, you need to keep your eyes on it. It's it's a very fast watch. Um, she's an award winning filmmaker. She graduated NYU Tisch School of the Arts. She's a professor at New York Film Academy and an advisor at Sundance Collabs. And she did this movie, and we're going to interview her on Friday about it. This is going to blow your mind because it is as follows. I received my second dose of the Pfizer vaccine on January 2nd. And within 10 days, I was paralyzed in the hospital. And I am 19 years old. I just felt something wrong on the left side of my chest. My face was burning and tingling. I can't feel my face. The first time I said those words was 10 months ago. I had facial paresthesia and nerve pain all day long for the last five months. The last time I said those words was two months ago, but I'm one of the lucky ones. I went to the emergency room probably 15 times throughout this two month span after the shot. And many people who've had this experience have been silenced because we're told that our story is not significant because we are merely anecdotals. You need to get vaccinated. You need to mask up. And if you don't, you are going to die. The people who are not getting vaccines, who are believing the lies on the internet instead of science, it's time to start shaming them. What else? Or leave them behind. If we could all just stop having so many answers and listen with wonder and listen with compassion. We need humanity back. This is not political. This is a human issue. I don't want what I'm experiencing to have some sort of political bend. I just want my story out there so I and others like me can get the help that we are entitled to. Being vaccine injured, I've seen hate from both sides. This is not a left issue. This is not a right issue. This is an American issue. I'm asking you human to human, please do the right thing and help us. Vaccines are safe. I promise you, they are safe and effective. I would give my whole life savings if I could go back to January 17th and never to have had to experience this in my life. The benefit of getting the vaccine far outweighs the risk. That's just a fact. The day I took my shot, I was functioning. I was healthy. I was happy. And four days later, I can't walk. She is not on the same political, um, of the same political ideology or worldview as we are, but this is not an issue of Democrat or Republican. As a matter of fact, like, that's the last thing this should be. The way the left always does this 
is they weaponize serious issues that are affecting everybody and make them partisan so that we don't join together to fight against this stuff. This entire movie is incredible. And I recommend everybody go and watch it. You can search it on YouTube. You can go to anecdotalmovie.com, anecdotalsmovie.com and watch it. Watch it before Friday so that this way you guys will know you know where we're coming from on in the interview. She um she she was brave to do this because she's still working in Hollywood and and elsewhere. And so she was brave to put this movie together. It's really Very. really, really Very. good. Very, but but you know it, it, how long do people who are suffering from things like paralysis how long are they going to deny what's going on like what at what point what is the payoff for averting your eyes from what is obviously a very real situation what's the what's the payoff when it does you can't even enjoy the company of uh, of political allies anymore like the physical company, like you, you are living in a completely different body now. What's the what's what's the point? Yep, you know, I, like, I, that's actually touched upon in the movie almost exactly as you said it, which is interesting. Um, you know, they 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 bridge that because it's important. Um, it's real, it's really really good. So everybody, make sure you tune in on Friday for that. Um, that's it for today, Frank. You have been listening to the Dark to Light podcast with. Frankie Bell on the drums and... Beans, real quick. If you guys want, head on over to local uh, uncoverdc.locals.com. I'll be doing a post-show wrap-up today. About a half an hour of a post-show wrap-up instead of the pre-show prep. So it's uncoverdc.locals.com. You can hear the show every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2.30 Eastern Time on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and RadioInfluence.com. Or watch us live Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time on Rumble, Getter, and on Twitter. Make sure you check out Frank's show Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. quitefrankly.tv. And we will be back here on Friday. Later. 